musik udefra. Hej derude. Du lytter til 6. og sidste afsnit af Musik udefra på The Lake Radio, lavet i samarbejde med Tempi. En serie, som i løbet af seks afsnit har dykket ned i noget af alt den musik, der kommer derudefra. Og det er vi selvfølgelig ikke helt færdige med endnu, og bliver det forhåbentlig aldrig. Og det samme gælder ham, vi skal møde i den her ombæring. Hey, den franske filmskaber Vincent Moon, yes, civilnavn Mathieu Saura, som bestemt aldrig har været bange for at tage skridtet ud i det totalt ukendte. Han har i de sidste mange år rejst rundt i hele verden og optaget nye og gamle former for sakral musik og religiøse ritualer. Og jeg fanger ham netop vandrende rundt i Rio de Janeiro's gade. Yes, I am in Rio. It's men jeg vil slet ikke afsløre That's one of the very, 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 very good reasons why we live in Brazil. We like sun. Så lad os bare springe ud i det. I've been making films. I've been using the tools of the camera for quite a while. I was doing photography 15 years ago. I was still doing still photography, and I was feeling a bit trapped in that medium because I was not I guess fully able to grasp it and create my own language. I was basically copying too much like most of young people maybe. <laughs> But very clearly very early on I was really interested in the idea of how do you create your own language because I think that was the key. That was what you had to achieve as an artist, create your own language or basically create your own reality. One day, one night actually, I sort of moved from still photography to film after seeing one film by uh, Peter Tcharkasky named Outer Space. It's a marvelous, complete masterpiece. And when I saw that film, I felt something I never felt before in cinema, which was something much more organic than intellectual. It was something which was really the big bang in the guts. And it was like, oh my gosh. That's what I'm looking for in cinema, you know? That's the type of language I want to explore. And I felt that that helps me to open a door to a more complex research. And so I started to make film the next day.
I was decided to make films without any money. I just had no idea at first until I started to dive really into music. I was in my early 20s and I was obsessed with music. I was living in Paris, so I was very lucky for that. Going out all the time, trying to sneak in in so many concerts. And that informed me so much. That changed my life completely. Because especially the live aspect of the music was the most beautiful thing. I've never been actually a huge fan of recorded, be them like cinema or music. And actually I'm not a big fan of cinema, to be honest. But I'm obsessed with live music, live events happenings, performances and so on. And I think there's something which touches at the core of reality, of the nature of life there. And so then I started to make films about music, obviously, and live music, obviously. And then I did that for a while, two, three, four years maybe, and it had a big success on the internet. There was nothing like that at the time. It went a bit everywhere and it was great. It was a really great time. But then I felt very trapped into one genre of music. I was refusing most of the offers linked to any music industry. And then I was basically, okay, cool, let's try another adventure. And I just packed all my stuff, all my life, and I took a backpack and I left. And I went traveling to make films around the world. And that's been like five years, I guess, on the road like that. Going around, basically, from places to places, meeting people. Meeting people is easy. Actually, it's very easy, especially when you go to non-Western societies. There's this incredible welcoming aspect to most of those cultures. And then I started to make films, and while making those films, basically, my tool was the camera, like uh, my own research tools. I mean, it could have been a pen or a guitar, maybe, but it was a camera. So it was all about that, sort of like diving, diving deeper into the layers of the local places where I was. And obviously, very quickly, I encountered the traditional, let's say, but especially sacred music. And then it changed my life again. <laughs> because suddenly it took another cosmic dimension, you know. And it was like, this is it, you know. I mean, this is it, this is exactly it. I, say? I, I didn't think much about my cinema before making it. I think that was very much what I was realizing when I was filming. I was engaging myself and my body entirely in the action without any preconceived ideas. If I had too many ideas about what was the place about, what was the ritual for, what was... I would have never made those same films. Of course I knew what it sort of was about. Of course I did quite a lot of research before going, but I'm not to the level of someone spending three years on the spot, definitely not. But that excitement I had while filming was based on this, was based on the unknown. And something that we maybe in our society, Western take on reality, we do not praise enough in general, the unknown, the pleasure of mistake. 
with something I really love, I really like, to not to know what the fuck is going on. Because in a sense, you just like switch off your brain at some level. Then you engage your body entirely. And then I was basically diving and diving and diving closer, using the camera as a tool to get closer, which is strange maybe for some. Actually, I do not know how to not do it, you know. I have to get close. I have to. That's the way I feel. I want to get close to people. Creating a link with the people, you see. Trying to get so close that you sort of like try to throw the viewer inside the film. It's like, fuck, full on. No intellectual bullshit there, you know. In a way, if you go full on, you realize, of course, cinema is an amazing ritual. I mean, what is it about people that have been gathering in dark rooms and watching images projected on a screen? Are you kidding me? This is supposed to be spirituality on some levels. But basically, I think we have to play the game of the ritual itself of cinema to get out of the intellect and basically create our own cinema ritual. And a way to achieve it for me is to go so close that basically you're thrown into all those bodies in trance and it can be oppressive maybe but it's also very much the feeling I have when I was filming it's like whew, overwhelmed there is nothing fixed and that's why maybe I'm excited to explore this with the tools of cinema and music and not with the tools of writing, because maybe I had the feeling that I'm not fixing it too much. I'm not making it too perfect. And I think that's basically the danger of that anthropological study towards the end of the 20th century. They got trapped into basically trying to put into words a reality which was not fitting in words. And that's very interesting. A lot of indigenous people have been warning us during our travels, saying that basically, you cannot write down my reality. It just doesn't fit. That's not the way we express ourselves. That's not the way we see it. Words are just one angle on reality. I didn't study anthropology, I didn't study much. I did my own studies, reading, watching, listening, tons of stuff. But I didn't know really about those other worlds. And I was like, oh, I want to engage myself in this. And little by little, I basically was researching all those resurgences of the sacred everywhere I was going. And then it took a very interesting shape because realizing that a lot of those places were places of resistance. They were like basically not trapped in the past. They were not traditional per se, in a sense. They were just like basically alternative. Those are alternative realities in a society. 
I'm just trying to make it up now. I'm just thinking out loud. But basically, I think at the same time, they were representing a very anarchist type of relationship with reality. Super full and independent on many levels. And at the same time, there were actually this incredible openness of consciousness towards the invisible. I mean, the real deal, the real spirituality is the key, you know, to many of our problems in a way. First time I went to a trance ritual in Cairo, in old Cairo, which is an amazing neighborhood. I didn't know what to expect. It just really changed my perspective on music and on pretty much everything actually. It was a trance ritual in Cairo Nemzar, made by women, for women at the time. And they were singing and playing drums, full on, incredible music, and very repetitive. That's something you find more or less in any sacred music, actually, the repetition. And it blew my mind because the music was not performed for an audience. It was played for the gods, it was played for the spirit, it was played to trigger something into that woman, to put her in a trance state, to get rid of something, to heal her. And it was just much more exciting, much more interesting, much more mind-blowing in terms of relationship to reality than basically going to see a rock band in a club and having a few beers, you know? It was just like, oh my gosh, this is not only next level, it's just like next Reality is mind-blowing. It changed my life, it changed everything. And then I was like, this is what I want to dedicate my life to, actually. It was very easy, it was obvious.
tend to draw a very simple picture of reality all the time. We tend to simplify and understand why we need to do that, but it's also very important to not always fall into that trap. And, um, and so it's very, very interesting how, why did we get, where the fuck did we go with the invisible, you know? Where did we put the invisible? I've been very, very interested in that actually, realizing how our Western world has been just like choosing one angle on that story, you know, not fully seeing the complexity of it. Have you seen this amazing, amazing film? You know what? It blew my mind. The Hypernormalization by Adam Curtis. It's marvelous. It's a very brilliant, brilliant and important work. And I think it's exactly this. Why did we end up creating a simplified version of reality, you know? <laughs> I mean, the reality in its complexity. We live in a strange time. Extraordinary events keep happening that undermine the stability of our world. Suicide bombs, waves of refugees, Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, even Brexit. Yet those in control seem unable to deal with them. No one has any vision of a different or a better kind of future. For the past 40 years, politicians, financiers and technological utopians rather than face up to the real complexities of the world, retreated. Instead, they constructed a simpler version of the world in order to hang on to power. And as this fake world grew, all of us went along with it, because the simplicity was reassuring. Making films, obviously, like making images, representations of reality, it's something I should really take care of. What kind of reality do we simply make with our images? Why do we make this type of reality? And how do we want to influence, basically, the reality in general to go towards that? To kind of like try to, you know, make a better type of reality, a much more fun one, you know? I don't want to focus in a pseudo-objective documentary style talking about politics and stuff, because that's basically uh, uh, bullshit on some levels. in a very uh, tensed time, especially regarding identity, and it's very hard to talk about. And I think that's basically also at the core of my work and our work with Priscilla. Our new project is named Hybridos, Hybrids. And I think very much the core of what we do is questioning identity, our own identities. I think it's very important to defend, extremely important to fight for the rights of different minorities and that such minorities do use their power and the media to basically claim some of their rights and so on. But that fight stays on a very 
materialistic level most of the time, actually entirely materialistic. create another form of society together. Because what's happening is that if we stay on this fight for identity and ethnicities, that's what it is about, we are going to end up in a massive, you know, there is no end. I mean, there is basically, what, fights against everybody at the end? Where, where are we going there? So I think what we're trying to think about is this idea of how do we merge identities on another level and that's basically what uh, also is at the core of our globalized world and I think we live in a much more maybe globalized world that we tend to realize. I guess the name hybrids is praising for another take on identity. How do we create another form of consciousness, of identity, which at the same time praise the diversity and differences and all those different identities all around the world, but do not neglect the fact that we are moving forward towards a certain union. Some of the rituals are very hybrid ones. Some of the places that we love the most are merging many different music from indigenous people with references to the Christ and with Afro-Brazilian drums. Some of the people I think about, the Fraternidad Caimão, they've been merging lots of different forms of rituals in one. And they do this in the center of the city, which is very interesting, they have their own space. So I think it's very important also to realize that, yes, of course, spirituality has to bloom as well in the urban centers. It's not only about going back to nature, and so those people are basically using ayahuasca, getting in trance, singing as well for the Christian Virgin Mary. And they have on the walls very different icons, even up to Buddha and some sentences by Nietzsche and so on. So basically their take on spirituality is extremely modern and very beautiful because it's extremely artistic. And I think that's what really, really touched me the most in most of those uh, spiritual encounters was the incredible art forms that they were exploring. And that's exactly where I think there's a very interesting bridge to make in between what those people here in Brazil are doing and what probably pretty much soon, or already now, some people all around the world are already exploring, which are new forms of rituals, which are great artistic gatherings. And the way this is made here is there's this very um, beautiful, liberating relationship to everything. You can experiment.
And the greatest experimentators in all those spiritual labels are definitely the indigenous people. Because they do not have the same intellectual limits, maybe, that we tend to face. And I think it's very important to try to switch this. It's free, it's a fluid thing. It's just constant movement. Some people do not like at all what I do, you know. Well, they hate it. <laughs> they hate it because they think we should not do that. A lot of the more anthropological minds, they're like, but this is insulting, you know. You cannot do this. You cannot mix all those things together. This is just like, what the fuck are you doing, you know? And <laughs> I think that's something more than anywhere, something that Brazil teaches you is that not only you can experiment, but you have to experiment. That's the way it goes. But I think basically there is no way we can get away from all those different forms of ritualizing and praising them and putting them in museum. No, we have to engage with them. You know, we have to really dive in them so much. By very far, the most beautiful concert I've ever been to are actually rituals. By very far. Because it's sort of step onto another level. So far away, especially from any commercial type of relationship, so far away from a... How could I say? I totally understand when people say a massive rock band in a big stadium is a mass. And I'm like, yeah, but it's pretty poor in terms of consciousness, honestly. What about rave music in the 90s? I was like, yeah, but again, even though there's this collective aspect of it, they were getting fucked in terms of consciousness. But I think those things are moving forward to another level. And I see rituals as incredible parties. And I think it's very important to frame it like that. It's an incredible party with the invisible. And I think that's also very important to realize that I mean, this is not boring. This is just actually the most beautiful, spectacular and fun thing in life, rituals. I think the most beautiful comes from the indigenous knowledge, especially in Brazil. You know, Brazil is a very, very amazing land because up to now, even though that was basically the largest genocide ever, you know, I think it's something that we don't really think about too much, but basically the most important genocide ever on this planet was the Americas. They killed so many people, it's just insane. When Europe discovered the Americas, there were more people living in the Americas than in Europe at the time, which is very crazy. We don't have that picture. We have this idea of like a few isolated Indians here and there. No, 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 it was massive. And basically most of them died, you know, killed or died of sickness. And it's very stunning to see that up to now in Brazil, there are more than 270 different indigenous groups 
with lots of different tribes inside them. So it's incredible that they've been able to maintain their knowledge and their rituals up to now. Not all of them, obviously. Some of them sort of lost their language and are now trying to regain it through different types of trance ritual, which is crazy. They're accessing their past in trance. It's mind-blowing. And their take on rituals is basically that they say, we ritualize so that the sky do not fall. We ritualize, we play music, we sing constantly so everything stays in harmony. That's basically what we have to do. And it's a beautiful way to see our task now. Every music comes from the sacred. That's something I'm certain about. Even before words, there were music. What is music? It's a vibration. Everything has always been resonating. My deepest experiences in two rituals are probably linked to some psychoactive experiences, to be honest with you. And those ones unveil entirely, when well made, this incredible intricacy of everything all the time. And that's something so life-changing, to see reality in its entire complexity. And in that complexity, it's a constant movement of everything. Everything is talking to everything, and I mean it. Everything is constantly talking. We just don't listen. But it's always in movement. More than everything, what spirituality teached me, and I guess teach to most of the people, is to not fear. Because there is nothing to fear. It's a marvelous accomplishment to realize that. Fucking hell, especially coming from a Western society. We're trapped into this society which is basically working because people are afraid. You know, that's how our society works. That's why I see spirituality as an incredible alternative, anarchist one, you know, another form of being together. It's very interesting to see how people do use different forms to basically reach um, modified states of consciousness. Of course, there's a big thing going on about the rediscovery of the psychoactive plants, for example. I think that's one of the main topics in our generation, which is a very important one, and I really praise that so much. Those tools, if well used, <laughs> obviously the powers in place won't be able to maintain power because it's basically a, a waking up so much about what's the real deal. when everything is constantly connected and moving all the time. Music is basically uh, one of the elements to call the gods, to basically interact with the entire cosmos, in a way. Music is there to kind of like complete the picture, I would say. Music is there to heal, 
which is very, very, very beautiful. Our next project is basically named Healings, which is basically research on all the different forms of healings today, which is the most interesting thing I can think about. How do we heal ourselves? And we live in a very interesting time because there is so many different techniques. I have no um, the words escape to us when we start to explain the beauty of all this because actually there is no words. It's really way beyond any intellectual process. It's just this entire picture. Music becomes this elemental thing, this very beautiful connection with the invisible. And that's definitely what we want to explore more and more in the next years to come. lyttet til 6. og sidste afsnit af Musik udefra på The Lake Radio, lavet i samarbejde med Tempi. Jeg er taknemmelig for, at Vincent Moon kunne slutte den her serie af, for om nogen bliver han ved med at bevare sin nysgerrighed. Og det er noget, som jeg inderligt håber, at jeg og du også kan blive ved med. For sidste gang vil jeg informere dig om, at du kan finde al den musik, du har lyttet til her, i programteksten på iTunes eller Soundcloud, eller møde den i The Lake Strøm på www.thelakeradio.com. Og så vil jeg på det aller, allerkraftigste opfordre til at gå på opdagelse i Vincent Mogens kæmpe arkiv af både billeder og lyd. En meget stor tak til Vincent Mogen for at medvirke i programmet, og tak til Rasmus Kleve Christensen for masteringshjælp. Og så tak til dig derude, fordi du lyttede med.